maybe yes it does. Cut over the line. Okay. The meeting of the Business License Commission is called to order. We begin to acknowledge that the land on which we gather and that is currently known as the City of West Hollywood is the occupied, unceded, seized territory of the Gabrieleno Tongva and Gabrieleno Keys peoples. And I pledge of allegiance. Um, Commissioner Buellen, would you lead the Pledge of Allegiance, please? Thank you. Um, uh, Jessica, could we please get a roll call secretary? Commissioner Cochran? Present. Commissioner Ng? Here. Commissioner Hang? Here. Commissioner Woolen? Here. Vice Chair Yusupov? Present. And Chair Eisenberg? Here. And we have a quorum. Thank you. Okay, approval of the agenda for August 8th, 19, uh, 2023. Are there any changes to tonight's agenda? There are no changes. Okay, do I have a motion to approve the agenda? Motion to approve. Second. Okay, may I have a roll call, please, Secretary? Um, we had a motion by Yusupov, and then the second was by Commissioner Cockrum. I. Yeah. Okay. Commissioner Cockrum? Aye. Commissioner Ng? Aye. Commissioner Hang? Yes. Commissioner Volin? Aye. Vice Chair Yusupov? Aye. And Chair Eisenberg? Aye. And the item is approved. Okay, thank you. Um, now we have approval of the minutes of July 11th, 2023. Are there any changes to the minutes? There are no changes. Okay, can we have a roll call? Or can we have a motion to approve the minutes? Move to approve. Second. Okay, may I get a roll call, please, Secretary? Commissioner Cockerham? Aye. Commissioner Ng? Yes. Commissioner Hang? Yes. Commissioner Bullen? Abstain. Vice Chair Yusupov? Aye. And Chair Eisenberg? Aye. And the item is approved. Okay, now is the time for public comment. Do we have any speakers at this time, Secretary? There are no speakers at this time. Okay. Um, all right, so we'll move on. Uh, do we have a public hearing? There's there are no public hearings. And no unfinished business? No. Okay, now we have new business. Uh, the Business License Commission study session. The city staff will provide an overview of the Business License Commission's purview, roles, and responsibilities pursuant to Chapter 2.32 of the West Hollywood Municipal Code. It's established bylaws, the Ralph M. Brown Act, and the Code of Conduct adopted by the City Council by way of Resolution Number 01-2604, as well as an overview of the Neighborhood and Business Safety Division. Hi, good evening, Business License Commissioners. I'm Jessica Benitez, Code Enforcement Supervisor. Also with me tonight is Vito Adamides, our Neighborhood and Business Safety Manager, and also Grace Yeo, our City, our Deputy City Attorney. So I'm gonna ask uh, Granicus to show our presentation. Let me ask. Hopefully you're able to see our presentation. There we go. So welcome to tonight's um, study session of August 8th. I will start with 
an overview of the neighborhood and business safety divisions in our operations. Neighborhood and business safety division is in charge of three functions. First, the first function is our code enforcement, who's, respond, who's responsible for responding and investigating West Hollywood municipal codes, including code violation of the state law. This includes penal codes. Um, in addition to that, the officers are non-sworn and they're PC 832 certified. In addition to that, they are required to have other certifications through different associations to perform their daily duties. This is a seven-day operation. The next function is our business licensing and permits. This division is, or this function rather, is responsible in scheduling the business license commission, administers business licenses, special event permits, extended hours, business licenses. In addition to that, uh, we issue uh, the encroachment valet par parking signs and the valet parking meters. Then third function is the animal care and controlled. We manage the, contr the contract with the LA County Animal Care and Controlled Service. Um, this is a function that provides seven day a week service. So the next slide shows our operation, our division, which uh, the division is divided into functions. Uh, we have a manager, we have a supervisor that is responsible for the date of date uh, field service request. Um, under code enforcement officers, we have five. We have two current vacancies, and that is something that our division is working in recruiting for code enforcement officers. Uh, the second po uh, portion is the code enforcement supervisor who is responsible of the administrative uh, functions, which entails the special event permits, business licenses, and also the nighttime entertainment. In, it, in addition to that, we provide support to the entire division with fielding all the service calls for the division. Uh, reporting methods, how do you contact the code enforcement? The code enforcement team, uh, as I mentioned before, we provide service seven days a week. We are open or we are uh, provide service and respond to requests Monday through Wednesday from 7 a.m. to midnight, Thursday from 7 a.m. to 3 a.m., Friday and Saturday from 7 a.m. to 4 a.m., and Sunday 7 a.m. and 3 a.m. So as I mentioned, uh, we are one of the cities in Southern California that we provide seven day a week service, uh, almost 24 hours a day, if not in the nation. Um, in addition, our business license and permitted, we are open Monday through Friday from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. And, uh, but still, we're responding to any service requests on the weekends as well, we work with. Um, the code enforcement supervisor the, the works on the weekend. How do you contact our division? Um, the community and the members of the public are encouraged to uh, put in a service call or a complaint to our complaint line, which is 323-848-6516. Uh, and this phone call, actually, when someone leaves a voice message, it is received by the on-duty officer. Uh, if somebody wants to submit a request, they can use our, uh, the city's West Hollywood official app, which is uh, the WeHost service request. It's available on our website. Uh, in addition, they can contact us through email, code at weho.org, or they could call us Monday through Friday at 323-848-6437.
to contact the animal care and control, which is a 24 service. They can contact the phone number listed on the screen, which is 310-523-9566, or they can email Carson at animalcare.lacounty.gov. Also, they launch an online application, and you can also uh, submit a service request by using this app, and the website is on our screen. So the types of enforcement that our code enforcement team deals with is vacant properties, property maintenance, noise ordinance, short-term vacation rentals, construction management ordinance, illegal construction, zoning requirements, business license and tax requirements, and all permit conditions requirement. requirement. In addition to that, we also um, monitor the special event permits that we issue through this division, and also the entire division, we provide field services, or pretty much we're here to provide a vendor enforcement for Pride and Halloween. So both uh, the manager, the supervisors, and all the officers are out on the field, with the exception of the administrative team. Fallon gets to enjoy Halloween. So the next slide, it shows the service requests that are received through our office. Um, as you can see, we've reflected the service requests from 2019 to present. Um, in the 2023 slide, you only see the service request for the past six months. Uh, to date, we've received 3,748 service requests. Last year, we received 7,166 service requests. The next function that we do is the business licenses. And every business in the city is required to have what we call a business tax certificate through the revenue division, that is through our finance department. And only, four, only 34 business types are required to have a regulatory business license. On the screen, you will find the most common business licenses that we issue, that it's animal grooming, dance, entertainment, extended hour businesses, health clubs, home sharing, locksmiths, massage parlors and technicians, motor vehicle rental, pawnbrokers and secondhand dealers, peddlers, sidewalk vending, tobacco retailers, valet parking. So out of those 34 uses, only there are six business type categories that must come before the Business License Commission to obtain approval. Those are our cannabis business license, in the adult use retail category, medical, delivery, consumption, and also we have the legacy that is uh, the subcategory of the medical dispensary, the extended hour business license, and the gun dealers. The next slide, it shows our business license data. Um, here we went back from 2021 to present. Um, in 2020 and 20. Uh, 2020, uh, we did not process that many because of, you know, during the pandemic, unfortunately. So in purple, we have 2021, which we're at 66. In 2022, we had 60 new business license applications, and to date, we processed 25 new business license applications. Uh, in the business license renewals, uh, in purple, in 2021, we had 643, followed by the following years of 606, and to date, we've processed 321. 
Same thing with temporary business licenses. Temporary business licenses are for uh, peddlers that would like to operate during Pride and Halloween. We processed 12 in 2021, 39 in 2022, and so far to date is 25, and it's most likely to increase. That uh, Halloween is just around the corner. Other duties that we that we um, issue in this particular business license and permits is we issue the extended hours construction permits. So any work that that is required to be done outside the approved hours, the approved hours of construction is from 8 a.m. to 7 p.m. Monday through Friday, and on Saturday interior only, and on Sunday. Construction is prohibited as well as uh, during holidays. If someone is, uh, needs to do uh, construction work, either because it's a bank and the bank has to operate during the hours and they cannot do it because they're going to install an HVAC system, this is when the applicant must submit an extended hours construction permit. The other category is the special event permits, and this is restricted to our brick and mortar establishments. Each business is allowed 12 activations or 12 special event permits per calendar year, uh, unless it is restricted, restricted by their CUP, their conditional use permit. There are some businesses that have a restriction up to three special event permits. Um, and pretty much who is required to do this. Um, here are some examples. If somebody is having, let's say it's a retail store and they're going to have a grand opening or they're having a sale and they're bringing a DJ, a, a, an element that is not part of their normal business operation that would require an extended, uh, excuse me, a special event permit or someone that wants to extend their hours of operation, they will need to obtain the special event permits. Um, some of these permits, will require uh, additional permits and review by different agencies, such as the fire department, West Holloway Sheriff's Department, animal um, care and control, if they're having an exotic animal, uh, in addition to LA County Health Department. So we work very closely with them from the permitting side and also the enforcement. And on the next slide, it's the permit data of the number of extended construction permits that we have processed from 2021 to present, and um, the special event permits as well. So on the next slide, I will uh, turn it over to Vito Automaitis to talk about the Business License Commission duties. Thank you, Jessica. Um, for this next section, I'm joined um, with our Deputy City Attorney, uh, Gracie Ayo, and we will be um, jointly just kind of going through the next slides with you. So I'll um, kind of, if you want, I can lead it off if you want, this first one. So the responsibilities of the Business License Commission is to meet as necessary, but no more than once monthly. Um, the Business License Commission will conduct its business in accordance with Chapter 2.32 of the West Hollywood Municipal Code with uniform bylaws, the Ralph M. Brown Act, uh, and the Code of Conduct ab adopted by the City Council by way of Resolution 01-2604. Copies of these materials are included in your packet for further review if you would like. And I also know um, our city clerk, uh, Mosa Crowder, was not able to make it this evening, uh, but she does do an overview of the Brown Act and Rosenberg's uh, rule of order uh, in, in, in her orientation for um, the commissioners. So I don't want to be duplicative 
uh, but we did want to cover that a little bit tonight for you. And if we could have the next slide. I'll turn over to Grace. Sure, good evening, commissioners. So what we've prepared here are several slides going through the relevant sections of the West Hollywood Municipal Code. What we don't want to do is just go over and read the code, but we wanted to just pull certain sections and um, highlight certain provisions that um, regularly come up during our hearings and um, where there's been questions before. So um, we're going to um, sort of go with the flow, but we'll go over some of these provisions, and if you have any questions, um, please feel free to ask. And there will also be a question sessions at the end as well. So uh, the Business License Commission have the power and their, um, their duties are to hold hearings to determine whether to grant, deny, modify, suspend, or revoke business licenses. And as uh, Ms. Benitez uh, went over before, there are certain business licenses that do require hearing from the commission. So those are generally the um, hearings that will be held or otherwise if there's a revocation procedure or suspension procedure, those will be brought before the commissioners um, um, by the staff. Um, the other duties include um, considering and recommending to the City Council adoption and amendments to the Business License Ordinance and other ordinance and resolutions pertaining to the business regulations. Um, I believe there was previously a question regarding whether um, the commissioners could reach out to City Council members to um, determine whether City Council had any guidance on the maximum number of extended business hours license that it wanted the City to grant. So. Um, uh, just to go over the procedures, a lot of the, you know, um, amendments and the revisions to the ordinances usually are either initiated by city council. Um, for example, city council will direct staff to um, revise or research certain revisions to the code. And once that's made, that's usually when the staff would bring it before the Business License Commission for your consideration, and the commissioners would um, review those and either make recommendations to the City Council to approve as is or um, with certain uh, revisions. Um, another way, though, the Business License Commission could potentially initiate um, revisions to the code, but we do want to remind you that the main duties are, uh, of the commission is to... Um, grant, deny, modify, or suspend a business license uh, um, hearings that are before you, but um, what we don't want is business license commissioners to sort of go and initiate and explore and you know read the code and figure out what needs to be done, but if there certainly are issues that are repeatedly brought before the commissioners and you believe that you know just because of the repetition and um, certain um, issues that don't seem to be resolved or you know appear in every sort of hearing, then um, that is something that commissioners could consider, and that would require, uh, you know, procedures to either direct staff to do some research, so that it, the issues can be properly agendized, and it would be held for a discussion. And at the discussion or at the next hearing, commissioners could direct staff to make certain revisions as necessary. But we're happy to answer questions on these if you have any. Um, the other duties is to perform other tasks as directed by city council. If there are any questions, we can answer them or we could move along and save the questions for last. Hi. So um, in the previous slides, there were a um, number of uh, violations and then uh, calls to um, code compliance, right? And then as, as we saw in the graphs, they are ever increasing the number of complaints uh, from year to year. And um, the data for this year already showing that it's going to if it's going to continue the same way for the second half, it's going to exceed uh, 
for the, the number of complaints for the previous year. Um, and one of the, for example, one of the common complaints um, that I, I saw in a, a slide and also that uh, when we are considering an application uh, for business licenses is a noise complaint. Um, and if the license the business license commission has an idea or suggestion to, and I don't know if it's going to go to this council or to the city staff first, for example, to have a, some kind of a standard for noise um, um, for the businesses to have certain signage asking for their clientele to observe the quiet hours. Uh, also maybe list uh, a number, a complaint line, or an app, or a QR code, and make it um, a requirement for s businesses that work extended hours or late hours to have that signage. Would that be, what would be the process to get that done? Like, let's say commission discusses that and feels like that's something that would be helpful. Uh, what would be the next step? So there could be several ways to do it. Um, it could be a direction to the staff to agendize the item for the business commissioner's discussion at the next hearing. And after discussion, it could be a direction to the staff to either um, revise the code you know, for the commissioner's consideration or to reach out to city council for guidance. And then of course that would have to follow its own procedures with the city council. So it, it could be done several ways, but I do want to point out that I believe there are certain ordinances that do address noise issues. Um, I forget the code section off the top of my head, but I think there is a section that says, you know, if, there, if noise is a consideration, you know, um, conditions can be imposed to, um, to sort of um, align with, I, I believe the noise section is section nine. Chapter nine. Chapter nine, right. Um, to address that, so um, I, I do want to um, encourage you to read that section. But of course, if there are certain ideas, where you know staff is happy to discuss that with you and um, find a solution for that. So the, understand the understanding is that there is no specifics on particular signage for businesses uh, in that chapter, and what uh, the idea is to create some uniformity. So if we want to, so I guess the first step is to put it on agenda, discuss it as a commission, and then if the commission decides that that would be helpful, then we can just have that decision and that would go to the staff to see how it can be implemented. Is that the process? So, um, Vice Chair Yusupov, so the, um, the city council is the legislative body of the city, so they enact ordinances so the process could be, as um, Grace indicated, that staff could receive a recommendation from the commission with regard to these uh, changes as noted here on this slide. And then staff um, could bring an item to the city council for consideration, uh, adding to the, the noise ordinance, the existing regulations. So it would come up as uh, in front of the city council as a recommendation from the business license commission, something like that. Right. It would be an ordinance amendment to the city's noise regulations, which is Chapter Nine of the municipal code, and um, staff, through this recommendation from this commission, 
would uh, prepare an item like that for their consideration. Okay, great. Thank you. Okay, if we could move on to the next slide. Okay, so section 5.08.070 addresses the manner of the hearings, which I'm sure you're all familiar with, but just to uh, quickly, quickly go over that, there's a testimony section, usually from the applicant, who may present any facts to show why the license should be granted or not. And then, of course, um, other interested persons, there would be public speakers during the public hearing session to either discuss you know, why the license should be granted or not. Um, the item that we do want to point out here is that a lot of these testimonies and the uh, public hearing section, it involves the scope of the issue is why the license should be granted or not. So we'd like to remind the commissioners that that really is the extent and the scope of the inquiry. Um, of course, uh, commissioners could ask questions of the public speakers that it was held during the Dobrik's hearing, and that's acceptable and that's allowed. But we do want to remind you that usually those are for clarification questions, and it has to pertain to um, the conditions at issue. And um, of course, another point, and it'll come out later in the slide, is that you know um, the commissioners, you guys are quasi-judicial bodies, right? And then once the decision's made, the decision could be appealed to city council, and the record made here would be part of that record of the appeal. So we do want to um, have those inquiries appear and be fair and unbiased. So a lot of times it would be questions of facts and questions for clarifications. And of course, uh, there, the filing protests, those are the public comments that usually are presented before the commissioners prior to their hearing. I just wanted to add on that, if I could, um, Chair and Vice Chair and members of the Business License Commission. So when we do receive uh, comments, emails, letters, we try to, um, through our secretary, uh, Fallon, we try to uh, capture the number of those, and we also try to provide copies so that you're aware of those uh, items before the commission meeting. Sometimes we receive those on the very day of the meeting, correct, Fallon? Um, next slide. Uh, this municipal code addresses the revocation. Um, we don't have to go through all the details, but I did want to point out that the revocation proceedings are, um, in layman's term, a pretty big deal for the city. I, I don't believe a lot of revocations had been um, done in the past, and they require due process because it requires taking away of certain rights um, with, the, with respect to their businesses. So it requires a notice procedure, it requires a hearing, and of course, um, the hearing will be held before the commissioners. So I understand that in previous hearings, there's been questions regarding whether the commissioners could grant a license um, under a certain condition and have them come back before the commissioners within three months or six months for reconsideration. That's sort of akin to a revocation proceeding, which is why you know, um, there's a code section that says licenses shall be granted for one year unless stated otherwise. And once that's granted, that's a right that's vested within the business. Um, and therefore, any taking away of that right requires a due process hearing, including a notice, including a statement of charges, which um, are initiated by the director of the division, um, and a hearing before the commissioners. And again, um, because the decision would be before the commissioners at the end. We do want that process to be sort of clean where staff is the one initiating the revocation proceeding, notice the process is followed, it comes before the commissioners, 
and it's clean and it's unbiased as opposed to the commissioner sort of initiating that. So um, the code section talks about revocation notice. The director determines whether a hearing is warranted. So that's again the purview of the director of the division. Can I ask a question sure. about that? So sort of related to Dobrik's. So for example, when they got their license approved to extend an hour in a year from now, do they just simply need to apply again and then their license is extended an hour or do they actually need to come before the commission and ask again for us to approve of their license? There is a renewal process in the code. I believe it's with the department and usually it is renewed within the division without coming before the commissioners. But if there are issues, I'm sure the staff can address that too. Right, and I think Jessica was gonna chime in as well. Yeah, so uh, the in particular this part of this business, they would just have to submit the um, annual fee renewal, and then we will issue the license. If our division is having issues, we will go through the motion. If we can go through issuing citations, administrative citations, and go through the criminal side and file through our city prosecutor, or bring the business before this commission. So they would really only come back to us if there was a problem. But if everything was running smoothly, they would just submit the annual fee for the extended license and go on from there. Correct. Got and it. we will go through the motion that if they were problematic, we will do a staff report. We will initiate the hearing to either suspend or revoke the business license. Got it. Thank you very much. Okay, so um, the next section deals with conditions of approval. Um, there are several sections that do deal with conditions of approval. This is the first one, and this is a general section. Um, and, and it's tied to the revocation proceeding, but just to um, give you a recap, um, the commissioners or the director can condition any business license if they find that grounds for denial or revocation of a business license exists or that the manner in which the business has been conducted or operated is detrimental to the public health, safety, and welfare. And there are several factors to consider and findings to be made. So this provision usually comes up if there is a revocation hearing before the commissioners um, or hearing to impose certain business license conditions you know, in the course of a renewal. And if that's the case and the commissioners do find that, um, there's grounds for a denial or revocation. Instead of denying or instead of revoking the business license, you could condition the um, business to address those um, you know, health and safety issues. If I could, um, Grace, could you, I know one of the questions that we received at the last um, commission meeting was, can the business license commission add conditions to a permit? Right, so, um, the conditions can be added. So there's this section which deals with the revocation. There's a separate section regarding the extended business hours operating requirements and section seven there does say other conditions. The commission has the authority to add other conditions as necessary. So obviously the con commissioners do have the right and the purview to do that. Um, there are certain guidelines and we don't have a slide for that because we don't wanna say these are the five factors you have to consider. It's not part of the code. It actually, it's more of a reasonable guidelines you know, 
standards. So um, we can go over some of those factors with you. So the main factor is that, of course, it has to be consistent with the West Hollywood Municipal Code. So if there's other sections, let's, for example, that says the director has a purview to do that, then of course that condition or that section lies with the director of the division and not with the commissioners. And of course, it has to be consistent with other laws, including jurisdiction. So if it involves patrolling you know, the city of LA, of course, that's outside the jurisdiction of the city. Um, the other important part is that the conditions can't be imposed on speculation. It has to be based on certain facts or findings that tie to the criteria of approval or denial. So for example, you know, a lot of these criteria deal with noise or parking or traffic or crime. So if the, you know, if the commission makes a fact finding that there is a issue with trash, then it can impose certain conditions that try to address that criteria of approval to find that for approval to be held, this condition has to be complied with by the business. So um, those are the main factors. The other factors that I did wanna also point out is, um, let me make sure I have my notes. Can, may I ask a quick question? Sure, sure. So just going back, my apologies. So just going back to the revocation process. So um, section 5.08.170 revocation Notice to a licensee, it indicates that the director determines that a hearing is warranted. Mm -hmm. notice, says, notice of said hearing shall be made to the applicant pursuant to section 5.08.070. What is the criteria that the director has to utilize that a hearing is warranted? I was just curious. I know that we haven't, that there's never been a revocation. This is just for my own learning. Right, I don't think that criteria is set forth in the municipal code. I don't know if Jessica or Vito, you have information regarding that. It might just be up to the director's discretion, but that is a very good question and we can find out for you. Thank you. Yeah. Me. Just, just an additional um, clarification point um, for the commission, uh, just from staff is uh, with regard to the extended business hour operating requirements and the ability to um, add additional conditions to a permit. Um, Grace, is this the, is the commission limited to adding conditions on a permit specific to extended business hours or are they able to do that with other types of licenses as well? So conditions can be imposed for the extended business hours and other types of licenses if that license is being heard before the commission either for revocation or modification of the conditions or for renewal where the director and staff determines that it has to be held before the commission, then the commission can impose certain conditions. Um, and again, tying to that section, if the commissioners find that there are grounds for denial or grounds for revocation, and you instead choose to impose certain conditions. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, if we could move on to the next slide, please. Um, I, I think we've already covered this, but the commission's decision are um, subject to appeal if an appeal is filed within 15 days of the mailing of the notice, the mailing of the decision, and the hearing is part of the appeal. 
Jessica, could you chime in on, uh, so let's say the commission took an action to approve a license and somebody wanted to appeal that. Could you walk us briefly through that process and what the cost would be and when uh, the timeline specifically from the date of the hearing um, that uh, an appellant would have to file an appeal? So if members of the public would like to appeal the decision of the Business License Commission, they have to file an appeal to the city clerk's office within 15 days of the business license decision being mailed to the applicant. In other words, um, you, uh, the commission approves it today, the 8th, and then, 50, and then we mail the signed resolution to the applicant the following morning. Um, then after that, they have 15 days. The cost of the appeal is half of the business license application. So in this case, if the business license application was $2,000, then the appellant would have to pay $1,000 plus mailing fees. The total cost for the mailing fees, which is required a public hearing, is about 2200 So the appellant would have to pay approximately $3,000 with the example given. Um, once the city clerk's office receives that application, then a hearing will be set at the next city council meeting. Whenever it's available and scheduled for calendar, then city staff will prepare the staff report based on the denial points of the reason why they want to appeal the decision. Maybe they, the appellant feels that the criteria was not met, and therefore the staff is responsible in responding to those points. So that would be the appeal process. I'd like to ask a question, please. I don't think you'll have the answer tonight, but could you please find out for us how many appeals have been filed in the past five years and how many have been granted? I do not have that information, but definitely we can find through our city clerk's office. Thank you. Just, just out of curiosity, um, if the city council does uh, deny an appeal, does the applicant have a right to file a rate with superior court or what is the next higher body that will examine a denial? The city council in, for business license or city council is the highest um, body to review an appeal process. So that unlike planning commission, that they can go beyond that, but a city council. And sometimes the decision, it, it doesn't have to be a straightforward granting or you know reversing the commission's decision it could be sending it back to the commission for reconsideration but also noting that please also consider these other facts yeah i have one question oh i'm sorry Was oh, go ahead okay. good mr hang um i just had a question so i According to section 5.08.080, grounds for denial for business license, there's two sections within that. There's a section for business activities involving free speech, mm -hmm. and there's also a section for business activities not involving free speech. Um, I'm a layman, I'm not an attorney. If you can help educate me, I would be, uh, I would love to learn more. Because under section A, businesses activities involving free speech, it says the director shall have shall approve an application for businesses activities involving free speech, uh, but it cannot be denied. However, for businesses that do not involve free speech, the appeal can go before the Business License Commission to adjudicate. So I was just curious on what the differences in terms of those uh, terminologies of the law are. Okay, so the question is, how is the city determining that certain businesses involve free, free speech and certain businesses don't? 
So free speech, um, of course, you know, because there's different constitutional laws and, you know, um, different laws regarding regulations apply to free speech. Generally, free speech, the only way a city could really regulate it is by time, place, and manner. So it's generally, right, like you could say, um, you can have your activities here, you can talk about it in this place at this time, but you can't really regulate content. So that's why generally different rules apply to businesses concerning free speech and businesses that don't. Usually the licenses that involves free speech are like artists seeking a license to perform, you know, at a sidewalk or something like that. And you, you briefly touched on it earlier, but if you can further explain appealability, the denial of an application uh, first amendment activity, because you, you sort of touched on that earlier, so I was just curious uh, how that would apply uh, to us, and that's under section code 0 0.9, the effect of business license denial. Okay, if you could bear with me while I get there. Um, denial of an application. Okay, so it looks like generally a denial of an application that do not involve First Amendment activity is appealed to the Business License Commission and the denial of an application or granting of an application involving free speech goes directly to City Council. It looks like that's the distinction and for the Business License Commission's appeal, it cites to section 5.08.070, if I'm not mistaken, that talks about the notice of the hearing and agendizing and posting in public places. I'm sorry, did that, did that answer your question or I'm not sure? I think so, I was just curious. Uh, okay. I'm not a lawyer, so. <laughs> okay. Commissioner Yusporov. So I, I have a question. Um, if the commission denies the application is the for the applicant is the only choice to go to the city council or can they come back to the commission so a couple of things if yeah. may i answer that um a couple of things is that uh, certain applications for example i know this for a massage parlor um if the applicant wishes they have to wait 12 months before they could come back to the business license commission and obviously the other option would be to appeal the decision before city council. So, so they can simply just wait 12 months and just apply again? For, specifically for massage technicians and massage parlors. What about other businesses? I would have to check onto that, but I think it would only be through city council. So then um, in, just in case of this Dolberg Pizza, first time they, were, they weren't granted uh, extended hours and then they came back. What was the process there? I believe that wasn't a, if, if my memory serves me correctly, I believe that was sort of a it continued a, item, right? Like it wasn't a new application with new facts. Right, and I believe there was um, a tied vote, two and two. And then um, I'm, I'm looking to Jessica for some help on this. I think there was a, a tied vote and there was a uh, action to bring back that item to the full commission. 
Correct, yes. Um, that's what the purpose that the application was brought back before the commission because there was no motion on the floor. It didn't pass or fail. So that's why it was brought back. So when it, when it, when it ties, then it automatically uh, can be brought back if applicant wishes or would someone has to take a certain step to make sure that it comes back again because it, it was a tie vote? Like would the commission say, okay, you can come back again or would that be a staff decision or would be someone else's decision? Well, if you recall with the last item, we did bring it back to the Business License Commission for the commission to A, approve the denial or B, to reconsider the application and the commission voted to bring back the application for reconsideration. We, we, so we doing the tie vote? Yeah. Okay. okay, so that's the process. So the commission decides if it can be bring, brought back once it's denied first, or once it's tied first, first time around. So usually if there's a tied vote, the process is to sort of break the tie. Um, I believe that situation was unique because there was only four commissioners, if I remember. Yeah. So we were hoping to um, have additional commissioners to be able to break the tie at the next hearing. It looks like it ended up being the same commissioners that made the decision anyway. But um, So there, there are several options, but usually it's to, I don't want to say it bring it back as a new item, but sort of uh, continue it to have that tie broken. I mean, it could have been during the same hearing if there was another motion, a different motion to break that tie then, but it, in this case, it just took a couple of hearings to get so there. So then the follow-up question, let's see, um, we, we see that the applicant maybe um, is not completely ready or they don't have enough information, so the commission can also, instead of denying or approving, can the commission ask them to come back again? Within much shorter, not 12 months, but maybe a couple of months once they rectify or prepare the information? My understanding would be that it wouldn't be okay um, because I actually just looked up the code section and it does say, if an applicant's business license application for a particular business activity has been denied, the director shall not process a new application by that applicant for that business activity for a 12-month period. Um, after the denial, unless the director determines that the reason for the denial has been cured and no longer exists. So it does sound like it's just not massage parlors, but all of the license applications, once denied, can't be reapplied for another what 12 if it's not period. The, what if there was not even a vote whether to approve or deny? What, what if the commission felt that the applicant is not ready or information is not there, and instead of a motion to deny or approve, we had a motion to continue? I see. Right. I see. Okay. Right, I think the continuance in that circumstance would be appropriate because you're not taking formal action to deny the application. And if the commission's wanting more information from the applicant, the applicant doesn't have that information, or it's not included as part of our report, the commission, it would be appropriate to request a continuance and give additional time for the applicant to get that information, and then staff would bring it back, ensuring that all that information that was requested was provided. So a continuance, so you wouldn't be taking action to deny, you would just say, we need additional information, we're gonna continue this item to our next meeting, and, and staff will work with the applicant to obtain that additional information. And if I can add, if I can just add that to that veto, um, that's exactly what happened with one of the applicants that was requesting for extended hours that the commission didn't feel comfortable with the data presented. Therefore, we came back, we gathered the data that was requested, and based on that, you took action on that item. Okay, thank you, and one, one more. So, as far as additional conditions, 
there could be a situation where applicant um, is um, not maybe maybe there's a condition that could be be um, deciding factor on whether they can be approved or not. So what would be the power of commission to impose such a condition? Um, let's, for example, there's a complaint about uh, cleanup and in our application, there's nothing about the cleanup or nothing specific and commission otherwise okay with the application, but the cleanup say after hours is one of the conditions the commission wants to impose. Can the commission do that? So um, it's a little difficult to answer a hypothetical question, but assuming that the condition ties to that one particular, you know, cleanup procedure, and that is within the findings that the commissioners do need to make, then I would believe that would be appropriate depending on how it's phrased. So it could be a cleanup or it could be, let's say, commission feels like an extra security person or, or something like that, that that's not in the application in any way or, uh, or it's not specified and the commission feels like based on the input, they feel like maybe an, they need to have an extra, extra security guard or, or something like that. So commission can make those conditions. Right. Instead of telling you're denied or come back or, or we, can, we can make it as a condition and then make it part of the motion to approve with that condition. If there's a finding and a nexus, um, and could we go back to, I think it would be helpful to scroll back of the slide on uh, the extended hour uh, item. So with regard to extended business hours, if there was an additional condition put forth by the commission to address a specific concern, and there was a nexus to the application and a finding, he, we feel that the applicant has not properly addressed a certain issue, then that authority lies within the commission to add that additional condition. So in, in the case of uh, Vice Chair Yusupov's example, let's say cleanup, then you could impose that condition on the applicant. I would. Uh, as, as we talked previously, there has to be a finding and a nexus, and it has to be certainly um, with, within the city, obviously. Right, I would also add to that, um, in addition to the nexus, you know, with the findings and the facts and evidence that are presented, right, like if the, issue before the commission is extended business hours, it would have to be cleaned up during the extended business hours, not for the entire business operation during non-extended hours. Makes sense. Okay. Commissioner Ray? Yeah, it, I think I'm wondering, I think specifically what we're talking about is heart. And I wasn't mm -hmm. sure, I guess I don't recall whether or not it was a draw or a denial before we opted to bring it back based on the security data. I'm trying to remember, Jessica. I thought that um, there was quite a number of people that showed up to that original hearing, and there was a, a request for additional information and a, a, like the sheriff's uh, number of complaints. So I'm trying to rely on my memory. Um, I think do you we made remember a any other? Motion. Pardon me. I think we made a substitute motion. A substitute or, motion I, I a substitute for motion. that item to come back with Correct. additional information. Or, or a friendly amendment, actually. Right. It was a friendly amendment. I believe so. That is correct. Anyone else? Commissioner Yulman? Um, yeah, I just wanted to clarify because you, you brought up draw and tie. Um, 
it doesn't matter if it's a 4-4 vote, if it's a 2-2 vote and there's four people here, or if there's six people here, like there is today, and it's a 3-3 and it's tied. If it's tied, the item does not pass. Mm -hmm. There's no such a thing as a draw or anything. It's just it doesn't pass. So what happened with right, Dobricks, it was a tie. You voted. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't there, So, but my understanding is that maybe before you voted, maybe it wasn't like a real vote. Um, it was a real vote. So if it no, was a real I, vote, then I, it didn't pass. I believe there but. was a real vote, and I believe you're correct when it's deadlocked two to two. If someone makes a motion and it's seconded and the, and the vote is tie-in, there isn't a majority, then that motion to approve doesn't, doesn't pass. So um, I believe, uh, I wish I had all the minutes from that. So um, you can make a motion to change your mind after you voted on something? That, that's what my question is. I, I believe it was brought back under the guise of there were only four commissioners present and we needed more bodies uh, to be here. Well, so I well, believe it, there was a special ex exception that was made. Ex excuse me, I'm curious now about the process, how it came back before us to, for us to question uh, to, to vote on whether or not to bring it back in a month. How did that come before us? Because that wasn't at the same meeting. Right, so if I recall correctly, it tied, and it's correct that if it's tied, the motion doesn't pass, but for there to be a, a trigger for an appeal, there has to be an actual denial or an actual ruling, right? Like, just because it didn't pass doesn't mean it's denied necessarily, because there could have been a substitute motion that you know, said, okay, we need more data or something like that. So that's why at the next hearing, we presented the option to the commissioners to say, do you want to vote on the denial or because in a special circumstances, we only had four commissioners before, now that we have more, do you want to maybe reconsider it? Because when it's tied, it's still, the item is still sort of pending, right? Like there hasn't been a denial either. So. I think either option would have been available and the commissioners Who initiated to. that? Did the applicant or did the staff? Staff. Okay. Anyone else? We can never have a tie. So if there were six of us here today and we voted three to three, if we tied, nothing happens? Or I, what's the next process? Because you said it's not a real denial. Well, she just said it wasn't a denial. No, I know, so that's, but... I'm hearing both sides, so I'm not. <laughs> yeah, I think when it comes before council and it's tied like that, I think it's considered it doesn't go forward. Do you have the bylaws? I think there might be some mm -hmm. issues addressed there. And maybe an exception was made because we didn't have a full uh, commission at the time. It was so few commissioners, maybe the exception was made. Yeah, usually when there's a tie, we try to get a consensus one way or the other with substitute motions, but let me just check the bylaws. One second. If I can just, uh, it comes to memory that only those who were present at the first meeting were allowed to vote for the second meeting for Dobrik. So if you are not present for the first meeting, you are not allowed to vote to continue uh, to have another hearing or not. Let them answer. I don't recall that. Yeah. No, I, 
say the answer is no. Everyone who is participating at that night can vote. I thought everyone could have voted except for Commissioner Cochran, if I remember. I abstained again, because I made a public comment right. before being a member of the commission. Otherwise, anyone on commission could make a comment. Right. right. I think it was just a coincidence we had a limited commission that we only had four members. Well, actually, what I believe what happened was uh, Chair Eisenberg was not at the first Dobrik's hearing. But no, was yes, I was. That was the one we tied. It's a different hearing that I wasn't at. All right. For a different issue. The first hearing is when we tied. Yes. Can we move on? If there are no other questions from uh, the commission? Yes, we could move I on, but we'll get back on. to you on the tie vote yep. issue. Okay. We'll look into that for you. I also, um, before we go into the bylaws, um, and Grace, I was hoping for your help on this uh, question, because I wanted to make sure we addressed it specifically. So one of the questions that I recall uh, that came from the commission that we wanted to cover in today's study session is, does the commission have the ability to conditionally approve an application? And I'm seeing some heads nod, so I want to be sure that we, um, with your assistance, can uh, respond to that question as part of tonight's study session. So, so I think that would depend on what's considered a conditional approval. Is it an approval with conditions? Yes, assuming that the conditions meet the guidelines that we've discussed. But a conditional approval as in you have a conditional approval for the next three months, six months, and then we're going to take that away, the answer would be no because of what we've just discussed regarding the revocation procedure. That's akin to a revocation, requires due process, notice, hearing, witnesses, all of that. And then that would be, again, heard before the commission. So in that sense, not a, the conditional approval is not permitted. Um, and there is a municipal code that says business licenses are granted for one year unless otherwise noted in the other sections of the code. So our answer to that is the approval has to be for one year. And of course, there could be conditions imposed, but it's not a conditional approval in that sense. Thank you. So I'll continue with the bylaws. Um, I think uh, Grace is going to um, uh, reviewing additional uh, information for you. But in your bylaws and in your packet includes uh, what is the purpose and intent of the uh, of um, uh, the bylaws and as it relates to the Business License Commission. So um, we've included a copy of it in your packet. So it just says here, the membership and duties of the Business License Commission are prescribed in Chapter 2.32 of the West Hollywood Municipal Code. Bylaws set forth the procedural rules for the conduct of the commission meetings. In there, you will see a number of important um, uh, points and helpful information about uh, how these commission meetings are to be conducted. Uh, also included uh, here is absences from meetings. So commissioners can be absent uh, three regular meetings in any 12-month period. Up to three additional absences in a 12-month period will be permitted for the purposes of bonding with a new baby, adopted child, or foster child, and will not be counted against the allowable number of excused absences. 
So we do um, want to communicate to the commission. It's very important for uh, regular attendance. If you're going to be, and we know sometimes things happen, uh, please let staff uh, know in advance that um, you may have an absence from the commission for uh, a, a, a certain reason. We're happy to um, work with the city clerk's office in that regard and ensure that um, we cover that. Um, also, um, there is, um, let's see, additional information on the next slide. Let's see. Um, so, rules of decorum, obviously, members uh, shall conduct themselves in an orderly and businesslike manner to ensure the integrity of the deliberative process of the commission is always maintained. Um, so sometimes, uh, I don't know that it's happened yet, but I just want to address it because it may happen. You may and we may see here as staff and as members of the commission, um, members of the public approach the commission in a very um, assertive or direct manner. Um, and so, and you've seen this in other places. So as staff, we would definitely recommend for the commission in some cases to just maintain an orderly and business-like manner. Um, it's not uncommon for people to be very upset at times. Uh, it's important to just maintain that even keel as we go through this public process. And uh, I know some of you have, have seen it or experienced it. I certainly have as staff. So just a, a friendly uh, piece of uh, guidance as we um, go through this year together, uh, this upcoming year with our new chair and vice chair at, at uh, the commission. Um, Members shall maintain a polite, respectful, and courteous manner when addressing one another, city staff, and members of the public during meetings. Obviously, I think the commission is very polite with each other and polite with staff, and I think that's very important in terms of the decorum for the commission. Um, obviously, as you can hear my voice, um, some of us um, are able to speak very clearly into the microphone, and you can hold the microphone away, but as you experiment with that, you can see it doesn't take very much uh, distance for that microphone to suddenly become not as clear and not as uh, audible for members of the audience, your audience physically here in the council chambers, as well as your audience at home. So please be mindful of that. So uh, sometimes it's just important to do kind of a sound check for yourself to make sure that you have the uh, proper level of audio and volume. I believe, oh, maintaining order. So uh, members should request the floor of the presiding officer before speaking. So this is the chair. And in the absence of the chair, it would be the vice chair. So um, when speaking, members shall attempt to avoid repetition and shall limit their comments to the subject matter at hand and should express their views without engaging in lengthy debates. Uh, obviously, I think this speaks to uh, running a business-like meeting right, keeping to the point, being clear and concise with regard to comments and uh, information that you provide. Um, I haven't seen this, but obviously this is here for, for good reason. When one commissioner is speaking, the other commissioner shall not interrupt or otherwise disturb the speaker. Just common courtesy, it goes a long way in conducting a smooth and uh, business-like meeting. And I think we have additional information. So communication with members of the public addressing the commission. 
uh, commissioners shall not engage the person addressing the commission in a dialogue with the commission or city staff. Um, so just, just keep that in mind. Sometimes um, when folks want to address the commission, they're making comments or statements. You will also see speakers who will want to engage directly with the commission, and sometimes it's argumentative or it's confrontational. We certainly want to avoid that. You may have seen it in other places. We're hoping um, to minimize that here at the, at the Business License Commission. So we have a summary of Rosenberg's rules of order. Um, I believe our city clerk, uh, Melissa Crowder, covered this as part of your orientation. Did everybody get an orientation on Rosenberg's rules of order? Okay, uh, Commissioner Eng did not. All right, anyone else did not receive um, orientation on Rosenberg's? I'll just make a note of it because we'll, we'll certainly follow up um, with the clerk's office on that. So just a summary here. Uh, Rosenberg's Rules of Order uh, talks about quorum, the number of people that you need in order to conduct a meeting, the role of the chair. The role of the chair is really very important. The role of the chair really sets the tone and really sets the order and the pace of the meeting. And it's important that the commission and the commission members be respectful of that important role, right? Um, motions, basic motions, amendment motions, and substitute motions. I won't go into all the details in there. There's quite a bit of detail in your packet, but I would um, suggest as staff that you review what each one of those means. What is the basic motion? What is an amendment motion? Sometimes you'll see this. Oh, I'd like to make a motion to, and then fill in the blank, and then someone will say, oh, I'd like to amend that motion. Um, please take a, an opportunity to review what those uh, different uh, motions mean, all three of them here, basic, amendment, and substitute. And obviously, we already talked a little bit about this, courtesy and decorum. Um, this, is, this is a great commission. There's lots of great work ahead. I'm excited about the year ahead. Um, and we are going to, as staff, be preparing. Our job as staff is to prepare well-prepared reports, to obtain the data and the analysis to present the commission, uh, the information that you need to make an informed decision. And if there's additional information that you need in order to make that informed decision, staff is happy to provide that to you. So I'm very, um, I take that role and responsibility as staff to the commission with my team here. We all share the goal to provide the very best information we can provide to the commission as we bring these various licenses and application types to you for review. I think we have the Brown Act. So the Ralph M. Brown Act, I think everyone here is familiar with the Brown Act. This was uh, uh, a law that was enacted in 1953. It's found in Government Code Section 54950. It guarantees the public's right to attend and participate in meetings of local legislative bodies. All meetings of the government body shall be open and accessible to the public. Boards must discuss, deliberate, and act on the public's business openly. Um, importantly, it prohibits what are called serial meetings, quote unquote. This is explicitly prohibited. This is the use of direct communication, personal intermediaries, or technological devices that are employed by a majority of the members of the legislative body to develop a collective concurrence as to an action to be taken by members of the legislative body. 
I believe our city clerk, Melissa Crowder, covered in her orientation with the commission. In today's day and age, you know, we have things called smartphones and we communicate via text, via email. And so it's very important for the commission just to be mindful that if you're communicating with one person and then you decide to email another person and you decide to, you want to avoid what are called those electronic serial meetings where you're communicating with a majority of the commission on an item that has to be deliberated in public. I know that um, some folks in the past have sometimes even made that mistake by when you respond back to an email hitting reply all, right? Or not including people on your blind copy list, right? So please remember that because it's an easy mistake to make. I've, I've seen it happen in other, in other places where I've worked where people made a mistake where they, you know, just out of, out of, uh, out of rush and responding to something hit reply all and then um, they got a phone call from the city attorney or from the city clerk's office. So uh, I'm trying to avoid any of you experience that, experiencing that mistake as well. Um, the next slide. Oh, I'm one question um, on the Brown Act. So I've heard different takes on this, but um, so say um, on Instagram, one of our local blogs posted something about an upcoming meeting um, that we as commissioners should not be commenting on that, um, on that post or on any post on Facebook regarding a topic coming up, correct? Yes, for various reasons. So, sorry, yes. <laughs> for various reasons. Um, so Brown Act is, of course, one consideration because on social media you could be consider to have had a meeting if you respond to a certain post and say, hey, I think we should vote yes on this. I think this is great. And, you know, another commissioner respond like, so that could be a Brown Act violation, but also um, for deliberative privilege, if something's under consideration and hasn't been ruled on yet, it hasn't been voted on yet, technically that could be sort of withheld as a privileged information. So, you know, we, we do want to encourage you to avoid any sort of social media posting on how you have voted or how you in, are inclined to vote. Okay, and yeah. then second question on that is, um, can we encourage people and say this is an important uh, matter coming before you, we encourage you to come and speak at public comment on this item, but not say, you know, what your views are? I believe so, but I'll get back to you on that one, yeah. I have a question. If, if we're all attending the Congress of the Commissioners and we're sitting at the same table, does that constitute as a serial meeting because majority of us will be sitting at the same table? No, I don't believe it does. There are exemptions within the Brown Act and I believe in the exemptions um, like attending a conference. Um, there's a list, I wish I, I don't know, Jessica, you don't happen to have the exemption. Um, but I believe there are exemptions in there. And you're not talking about an item that's being considered. You're just having a dinner. Um, and you're uh, you know, not having any deliberation or discussion about an upcoming item. I believe it's perfectly uh, allowed under the Brown Act. The, the Brown Act doesn't uh, prohibit people from having uh, a table at a luncheon or a dinner like at the annual Congress. But it does specifically uh, you know, prohibit those discussions that turn into um, a majority uh, discussion and a vote about how you're going to vote on an upcoming item. 
So um, I think we're uh, I think we're on on safe ground uh, with the annual Congress that, that's coming up for uh, boards and commissions. Um, but please don't, if I'm sitting at your table and you start talking about an item that we're going to be considering in the future, I may um, step in and say, you know, we're not going to talk about that here, just so um, I can keep you out of trouble and keep me out of trouble, too. Right, so this is an overbroad statement, but it says it does not apply to social, ceremonial, educational, or other gatherings as long as a majority of the members of a body do not discuss issues related to their local agency's business. There you have it. So at this point, um, we've conducted a review of the municipal code, the bylaws, uh, a review of um, permits and actions and authorities and purviews of the commission. We've gone into um, a little bit related to Rosenberg's uh, Rules of Order and also the Brown Act. And here we've arrived to a point in our study session for any questions that the commission may have that you would like for us to answer or further discuss. Okay, why don't we uh, start with uh, Commissioner uh, Cochran and we'll go down the road to see if anyone has any questions. Thank you, Chair. Uh, I think for now I don't have any questions. Thank you. Commissioner Hang. Thank you, Chair. Um, going back to the Dobricks, what I recall is we voted to uphold the denial or give the establishment a second chance. So that's why it came back. So it wasn't a straight up denial, we voted to give them a second chance. That's from my clear recollection. And then I know the word condition was a hot topic tonight, but I just thought it was interesting in reading uh, section 5.08210, conditions of approval. If there are conditions added uh, by the commission, the applicant does have a chance later on to appeal back to the commission to remove those said conditions if, if things do approve. So I thought that was you know, very interesting since uh, that word is, has been a hot topic as of late. Mm -hmm. uh, and thank you for the robust presentation. Thank you. Commissioner Ng? Yes, actually, I think when I asked about um, Cher Eisenberg and Dobrik's, it was heart that I was thinking of. Yes. So if you're, if, my understanding is that she was not at the first meeting, but was allowed to vote the second time. So how did that, well, how did that affect the condition that you said, if they're not present for the first one, they can't vote on the second? I, I don't think it's so much that if you're not present for the first one, you can't vote on the second. But I do recall for their heart, we, there was a discussion on that issue. And um, Chair Eisenberg had read the staff reports, and we reviewed the staff reports, and it had all the issues, like it addressed what was at the previous hearing, and it was almost like a new hearing on the same facts with some additional information as opposed to a sort of continued hearing where you didn't discuss previous facts and there was like a new item. So we thought it was appropriate for Chair Eisenberg to participate in the meeting. Yeah. Okay. Commissioner Yusperov. Yeah, just a quick question on revocation. So revocation, um, whether you know to bring the business in uh, a particular business in front of the commission for revocation hearings, that's decided by the staff, right? If if there are complaints or violations amount to that, and there is no a threshold, there is no certain a written criteria of like ten complaints or or it, it just has to be like discretion of the staff whether to bring it up back 
to the Commission for Revocation or not? I don't know if I can represent that there's no set criteria. There's no set criteria that I could find in the municipal code at this time. It doesn't mean that the staff doesn't have their own policies or points of consideration. I do have to defer to the division for that, but it does look like it is at the, the decision belongs to the director. And, and so, can we learn about those um, criteria? Like, for example, let's say certain business has a constant complaints about, like, let's say noise. Is there, um, and some of them could be just noise around the business, but not directly through. So staff can kind of use their discretion to see whether it's related directly to the business, or maybe whoever is complaining is complaining about the wrong business, right? But is there maybe a criteria where it says if there are 100 complaints within six months on a particular issue, then this could be subject to a hearing or subject to a pro starting the process of a hearing? Is, is there such specifics? I don't believe there are specifics like that. I don't believe we have written thresholds on what triggers a revocation. <clears throat> but a good starting point is if we get complaints regarding a, uh, a permit, a business license that was approved by the commission and the conditions are being violated, we would initiate appropriate corrective measures in terms of a code enforcement action to ensure that those conditions are being upheld and complied with and continued failure of the applicant to adhere to those conditions would be reviewed with our director, Mr. Danny Rivas, and we as staff would, if we found a pattern and a history of violating those conditions, then there is uh, an allowance within the code and the regulations for staff to bring back to this commission a revocation hearing. I, I believe we can assume it's based on frequency and severity of the issues. Yes. And, and that could be also applied to a business that, say, was not even uh, approved by this commission in the first place. Let's say some kind of a legacy business or a business that existed long ago. And if they are violating certain CT ordinances, that could be applicable to them as well. If it's a business license that would be subject to review and approval of this uh, commission, then yes. So uh, there are some businesses that uh, have licenses that are not subject to uh, annual review, uh, renewal? Right, and I see um, Jessica <laughs> coming back perfectly on, t on, on timing. So the question, Jessica, regard is regarding licenses that um, are in the city that engage in activity that would constitute a potential revocation. And the question was, would those licenses that the commission does not approve, would those also come back to the commission? And I believe the answer is no, but I'll, I'll let you chime in. No, that is correct, Vito. Um, um, although the regulatory business licenses that we have are renewable, and as soon as they pay their fee, they pay their fee, and then we issue the new business license certificate, unless they have a condition that they need to come before this commission. Uh, most of those are the cannabis business licenses that have such condition. Um, other regular businesses do not have such condition. So they don't renew every year? Or? Yeah, they do renew, but they don't have a condition that they need to come before the Business License Commission um, before we can renew it. What if they are violating ordinances or they have 
a significant number of com or serious complaints against that business. So um, what we what actions we'll take is, A, we either go through the administrative uh, process and issue citations, or the staff will initiate a hearing before this commission. Even if that li original license was not issued by or approved by this commission, right? So if the license, if, the, if a regulatory business license, so let's say something that does not come before you, I'm gonna use a public eating with alcohol, a restaurant um, that perhaps is doing something that they're not supposed to, then our code enforcement team will issue administrative citations by, based on CUP violations, or it could be noise violation, it could be property maintenance violations, and then we'll go through the motion through that. And then after we review the case, um, and if we need to A, take it before the Business License Commission, then yes, we'll bring that particular business before you, even if it was not approved originally by the commission, or we can go through the mechanisms of a city uh, prosecutor to file criminal charges. And in the history of the city of West Hollywood, there has been one revocation of a business license uh, pre-2011. One in 2011? From what I know, yes, prior to 20, it, it was in 2010. It was, it was a series of issues that have, egregious issues that happened at that particular establishment. What type of business? It was a nightclub. And so, so since 2010, there were no other revocations? There has not been any revocation. Actually, I take it back in sometime between 2012, 2013, there was a suspension of a business license because such business was violating the noise ordinance. Mm -hmm. Okay. <coughs> Commissioner Roland? Uh, no further questions, thank you. Okay, I don't have any questions either. So do we move on to the next section, or do you have do you have more? Just one additional comment. I believe uh, Grace completed her review uh, and wanted to provide an answer on the question about tie votes. So there is no detailed bylaws um, provisions regarding a tie vote, but there is a section that does say any decision of the commission shall require a vote of the majority of the commission present and qualified to vote. So the way I would read that or interpret that would mean even a decision regarding denial would require a majority vote. Yeah. If, if I remember correctly, uh, the chronology of our Dobrik's vote is on the first hearing we were split. Um, and then a month later at the next meeting you came back and asked if we wanted to meet again in a month to try and break the tie, is that correct? Yes, it we came back three, in a Over three periods, over three meetings. Yes. The initial one, the request, mm -hmm. and the second hearing. Yes, and the request was either to vote then at that time on a denial or bring it back, and I believe the commission made the decision to bring it back for a third. For a greater uh, percentage of commissioners that turned out not to be present. Okay. Um, so follow up on that question. Um, so what would happen then if we had a tie vote? Is it then the chair's responsibility to say, hey, commissioners, we have a tie, we need to ask more questions, or decide, come back next month, is that fair to the business, or what, what would you recommend that happens at that point? So it could be, um, do we want more information and bring it back at the next hearing, which I believe is what happened with Hart WeHo. There was a second motion to request additional information, come back, and then vote. It could be, is there a second motion? 
now to deny, right? Like, so the motion to grant was tied. So then is there a second motion to deny? And then we could vote on that. We could vote on another motion um, with another condition. Or, you know, there could be different ways to um, get a motion out there to sort of try to break the tie if possible. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Are we done with this section? Should we move on to items from staff? Yes, um, and before I uh, provide some updates to the commission, I just wanted to thank the commission tonight for your questions and participating in the study session. I hope you found it um, informative and helped give you some guidance and some clarity going forward. It's obviously, um, will be an ongoing opportunity for staff and the commission to have additional dialogue. But I do appreciate very much um, the commission's feedback and questions tonight and uh, hope you appreciated all the information. I'd like to thank our staff and our city deputy city attorney as well as our city clerk who could not be here tonight. I'd like to thank her as well for the input that she provided into the materials. So with that, I have some items, uh, just a few for you. So as I mentioned uh, earlier, the annual Congress of Commissions and Advisory Boards is on August 23rd from 6 to 9 p.m. Please be sure to RSVP to the city clerk's office if you have not done so already. And I look forward to uh, seeing uh, some of you. I know some of you will not be there and um, will we'll miss you at that uh, Congress, but I believe it's going to be a very good event. Uh, secondly, um, I wanted to share with the commission from our Disabilities Advisory Board that they are currently accepting nominations for the 2023 Disability Service Award. These awards recognize individuals, businesses, media, and nonprofit organizations for their work with people living with disabilities. Uh, applications uh, and nominations are being accepted through this Friday, actually it says uh, through this Friday, August 4th. I don't know if that was continued, um, Fallon, but um, I just wanted to share that. Is it was August 4th the cutoff? Well, I, I made a, an announcement about it. <laughs> so. I don't have the document in okay. front of me. So uh, nominees will be selected at the um, Disabilities Advisory Board on Wednesday, August 16th at Plummer Park at 6 p.m. Um, let's see, the third uh, comment I wanted to make is um, we are going to ask for the Commission's consideration to cancel our next meeting, which is scheduled for September 5th. September 5th is, is the day, the meeting that uh, is scheduled on the 5th is the day after Labor Day, which falls on Monday, September 4th. So if um, the commission, I know I will not be able to be at the meeting on the 5th. I believe there may be a commissioner or two who may not as well, right? Uh, Vice Chair Yusupov will not be there. Some, um, I have it in the schedule for the 12th. I believe it was. was I pulled from an email. It, mine yes. also always said the 12th, but from today's paper, it says the 5th again. I believe there was some conflicts in the schedule for the 12th. Jessica, is the 5th the confirmed date? Yes. Um, originally, it was scheduled for the, uh, the 12th, and then it had to be changed to the 5th because of logistics issues. And so at this point, uh, Mr. Vito is requesting that we move this meeting 
to the following month, with, which would be in October. Do we make a motion? That would be, uh, yes, that would be a motion to uh, cancel the meeting of September 5th, and our next meeting would be Tuesday, October 3rd. That would be our next meeting with the commission. So, um, Does anyone have a motion? Can I just ask, is, is, is there any sort of indication from anyone by you guys that they're looking to come to the Business License Commission to propose something for extending the, their hours somewhere? On, on the 5th? Yeah, or just anytime 5th. soon, like a business wants to come, they've approached you guys and Pending saying, hey, we're... We, we have not received any um, information uh, for the 5th, which is why at this point we're comfortable as staff uh, recommending okay. to the commission canceling that meeting of the 5th, and then our next meeting would be on October 3rd. So if the commission could... Would someone uh, like to make a motion? I'll make a motion. Second. Can we tell, Secretary, can we have a vote, please? And the motion would be for clarification to cancel the meeting of September 5th. I'm yes. sorry, before we vote on that, can I say then that would mean that the at-large appointment and the reinduction of, of Commissioner Vulin would wait till October? Um, I believe the council's action uh, on the 21st is to name the seventh commissioner to the commission. So we would have all seven commissioners uh, present at the October meeting. If I'm, if I'm thinking this correct, right? Because um, Commissioner Vullen was already um, Reappointed. The council already took action to reappoint you. So we're pending the seventh and final commissioner, which I believe is occurring on the 21st of August. I think so we would have all seven commissioners by the October meeting. Okay. Wait, can I ask them then that because Commissioner Hang and myself were reinducted, we were appointees, that means at large is not reinducted. I don't I don't know that. Um the upcoming? You referring to being sworn in? Yes. Okay, that wasn't necessary for council commissioners who were already appointed. Um, it was something that was suggested, but it was not necessary. Okay. So then, uh, okay. Secretary, can we have a roll call on this motion, please? Yes. Commissioner Cochran? Aye. Commissioner Ng? <laughs> Aye. Commissioner Hang? Yes. Commissioner Volan? Aye. Vice Chair Yusupov? Aye. And Chair Eisenberg? Aye. And the September 5th meeting will be canceled. Okay, so we move on to our second public comment. Um, Secretary, do we have any speakers? There are no speakers at this time. Okay. Um, all right, uh, do any of the commissioners have any items to share with this time? We'll start this time with Commissioner Vulin. Go down the row. Um, no, I don't have any, any items to note. Thank you. Commissioner Yusperov. I just wanted to mention that I was uh, happy to see all the commissioners at the National Night Out event, and I'm so happy that our commissioners um, uh, take a very active role participating in the neighborhood uh, events and gatherings. So it was really great, uh, and especially uh, the one at Horn was one of the outstanding events, and I uh, was uh, you know, looking forward to the next one. Okay. Commissioner Ring. Thank you, Chair. Um, yes, there are a few things I'd like to mention, or actually one is an inquiry. I know on the 3rd, the city held the West Hollywood Business Public Safety Meeting. 
Um, none of us were notified. I'd like to know if that would be, if that is something that would be ongoing or would happen again, and if it's possible to access the meeting that happened. Uh, we're happy to ensure that the commission is uh, copied on future notifications. I know um, that meeting was held here uh, in the council chambers, and we had pretty good turnout from the business community. And um, there was a presentation from the sheriff's department and Captain Mulder um, and Director Rebus uh, had some comments. And then I was able to speak a little bit about uh, the code enforcement side. Um, so overall, I believe the meeting was uh, very well attended and there was some very good uh, communication that was had with the community. Um, but we're happy to uh, ensure future meetings are, um, you know, we provide notification. So no recording exists? I don't believe, um, I don't know, Jessica, do we know if that uh, outreach meeting was uh, recorded? I don't, I'm not I sure. Not, I think it was just a community I type meeting. I do not know. We could find out. And if we find a recording, I'll be make sure to share it with the, with the commission. Yeah, I don't believe it was recorded. It was just a community meeting. Okay. All right, that's it. Thank you. That is Commissioner Hang. Um, National Night Out was great. Thank you, um, Chair, for hosting on the Hill, and thank you for the robust presentation. Thank you. Commissioner Cockrell? Uh, yeah, thank you, staff, so much for your presentation. I promise you it's a lot easier for us to listen than it is for you to present, so <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and uh, that's all for me. Okay, I would just like to also thank you for a very thorough presentation from everybody, from uh, uh, Vito and from our attorney and from our secretary. Thank you all. I think it was very informative and I think it helped us all. If I could share with, uh, with the chair and members of the commission, uh, I thought National Night Out, it was my first event here at the city of West Hollywood. I thought it was a tremendous event. It was just wonderful to see residents all over the city from all age groups. Um, to just see people and have people say to us, hey, it was great to see the, the face behind the phone or the email at City Hall that they contact for assistance. So I thought it was a tremendous event. I think um, it was just wonderful to meet uh, all of the various neighborhoods. I was able to sample some of the food in various uh, locations, which I thought was great. But no um, margaritas. I did not have any margaritas, but I did uh, have some, some food and some tacos. It was just a really, really super great event. And thanks to all the neighborhoods who uh, participated in this event, who put, took the time and effort to put um, various food and just uh, so there was there was um, uh, shirts and just uh, things for people to celebrate the national I thought it was a great coming together of the community to meet all of our public safety uh, partners to, to I saw in one uh, neighborhood um, a little girl was able to pull the horn on the fire truck on the fire engine and it was pretty loud but uh, she really got a kick of that. And I thought that was just that was a nice. really, really great uh, positive interaction with the, this place called West Hollywood, which is so special. Um, so thank you for all that. I, for, I neglected to mention that in the October meeting, uh, staff will be bringing um, two items to you. One is a compliance report on our cannabis businesses. And number two, uh, we have a variance for a cannabis business that we're going to bring to you in uh, at the October meeting. Two items. Okay. Do you have that? 
still want to speak? Okay. We, we were meant to get an update, right? On, on, and so we'll be getting the update in October, not just the compliance, but the update on, on openings, et cetera. Yes? Yes, I believe that's part of our uh, presentation, correct, Jessica? Yes. Yes. Okay. Everybody covered? Okay. Um, do we have any motion, uh, adjournment motions? No? Okay, then I think we can call the, uh, close the hearing and the commission meeting. Thank you. Thank you.